Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la, don't stop now. Don't try to hide it how. You want to be the girl? Hello, and welcome to Yes Androgyny. <laughs> this is... They get worse every week. <laughs> this is... They get worse every week, and this is technically only episode two. This is <laughs> the podcast where two non-binary slash trans improvisers sit down together. Oh, and best friends since middle school. Oh, can't believe you forgot. It's what we never forget. <laughs> we made a promise by that river. We, we we did. We stood by the river and we cut our hands and we said if that clown ever came back, <laughs> we would we would fight him. We would fight him with our words. Also that orgy you and I both participated in. Yeah, um, I think that I think that was the so cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do too. I do too. There was that brief period of time where we were both on cocaine and uh, having orgies, and at some point, uh, I think I manifested like a giant dog that attacked a woman and her child, but I don't even remember that. And somehow this has happened 75 times. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where uh, two non-binary slash trans improvisers and best friends since middle school sit down together, drink some tea, uh, discuss our lives, and try to make each other laugh, and then we use those conversations to uh, to seed the earth of creativity out of which grows a long-form improv comedy set. Dang. You make it sound way more artistic than it actually is. Um, no. I think I've been very clear about the level of art value that I think both improv and this podcast have, which is, <laughs> you know... Endless. Yes, which is which is. Um, Let us not denigrate our work before we've even made it. Well, we've been making it, so I think we have a little bit to denigrate. Until it's released, I we... haven't made it. Until <laughs> I make it, I haven't made it. My name is Charlie. I use she/they pronouns, and uh, with me is my very good buddy, my comrade, my NB in arms. Hello. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to say my name, Ari. I go by he, they pronouns. And I took so long setting up today that I already finished all my tea. I wanted to say shot my load on what was supposed to be a dry run, but I don't want that in the podcast. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> that's disgusting. Then why did you say it? Because... Why did you say it just now? Because you know, you know for sure I'm going to leave it in the show. You can't. I clipped the microphone when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll when see. We'll see it if out. it stays in. You will know listening to this because you'll either hear this or you won't. Oh, I don't listen to my work. What podcast? That's like, which director was it that like famously doesn't watch? Uh, is it Paul Thomas Anderson who doesn't watch his own movies? Probably. I mean, it's usually actors who don't. I can Google this. Director. Oh, maybe it is an actor. This is not interesting. Who the fuck <laughs> cares about this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> There actually are a lot of actors who don't watch their own work because it makes them feel awkward. I mean, as a failed actor, I can say that... Don't call yourself um, a failed actor. You're acting right now. As a... Right. Okay. As an actor who had career aspirations and then failed at those particular aspirations. Is I that fair? Fail no. <laughs> I mean, I got to play dad bod in the series finale of CBS's MacGyver. So. Has that episode aired <laughs> yet? Has that episode aired yet? Yeah. 
Yeah, they canceled the show. Yeah, they, they, I I haven't seen you. I want to see. It you. wasn't supposed to be the series finale, but then they canceled the show, and it's the last episode. <laughs> Imagine if they contacted you and said, "We want you to play Dadbot again," and you'll say, "Well, I've got some very bad news for you." <laughs> yeah, we could do Mombod. That well, yeah, except that's not a thing. <laughs> like that's just a fat woman that we hate. <laughs> Hollywood's like, we're not making a comedy, but, uh, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> um, anyway, I want to jump us into the, the topic for today. I, I, I want to start by talking about, uh, I guess I want, I'll, I'll just mention like some of the, the art that I've been consuming recently because it's been making me think in general about making art, you know, as an aspiring writer. Recently, I've been finding myself more and more drawn to being, to my comfort being challenged in some way. Um, reading a lot more explicitly queer horror. Um, I just read uh, Transmuted by Eve Harms, which was incredible. But like, I also watched the original I Spit on Your Grave, which I haven't figured out how I feel about. Um, I'm also, as you know, playing Elden Ring, uh, which is my first FromSoft game, and I suck at gaming, so that's, like, a different kind of challenge. But I guess I'm just saying that I, I'm finding myself sort of looking for... I'm looking to be shocked in a way that I feel like I wasn't before this year as much. This is the thing. You and I are going through intense journeys, right? In terms of our identity, in terms of our our jobs, in terms of our like creativity. And I see you being like, okay, I'm learning Elden Ring. I'm challenging myself. This game is intense. See, I went the opposite direction. My way of handling the stress of life has been that I have put my 4K TV at the foot of my bed. I lie on my bed prone and I just watch everything Marvel has ever done in the MCU in order which right. is a nightmare because it's so much but i am loving the ability to just turn my brain off and just enjoy some popcorn right it's literally the opposite of seeking a challenge i am not challenging myself i mean hey <laughs> agents of shield is genuinely really fun but yeah well i will say that um talking about the most milk toast wrote nothing art of all time um is a good segue into our topic for today how dare you agents of shield is a masterpiece <laughs> Um, and Moonlight looks fun. So what I wanted to talk about today with you, Ari, is, well, I wanted to just talk about a really awful novella I wrote in college. Go on. <laughs> when I was in college, I was in a really bad personal situation. To learn more about Charlie's bad situation in college, check out the pilot episode. I think I've cut... I think I've cut out most of the references. There's a little bit. There's a little bit in there. I'm just trying to get people to go listen to other episodes after this. I'm I'm just I'm I'm, I'm playing the algorithm, sis. I'm oh, just, that's I gotta... true. You're you're doing a better job. I should I should be doing that more. Um, but we don't have it. We don't have a, a serial plot to keep them coming back. Yeah, and we don't have Sarah Koenig to really to really ground that that serial plot. Man, a and... serial reference in 2022. <laughs> Our podcast truly is dead. Um, <laughs> it began with serial and it ended with us. We are the we are the f series finale of MacGyver of podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, when I was in 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 school, I uh, 
I was um, having a bad time. It was just bad in so many ways. It was bad because of undiagnosed depression. It was bad because of a some toxic interpersonal dynamics that were a part of my life. It was just really bad. And anyway, I wrote a novella in this time, and um, it's like it's actually the longest full length writing project I've completed. Um, it was like 90 pages and it was awful. It was awful. It was, it was garbage. It was, it was, first of all, I had just, I had just read infinite jest. And so oh, no. <laughs> when you think that you're a, just like a middle-class white, sad white boy in college, whose sadness, um, actually a sign of misunderstood genius, you, uh, find yourself within the the writings of David Foster Wallace. <laughs> That's what keeps you going. I'm actually here's the thing. Not not defending him uh, on a his personal life, but I am actually a defender of Infinite Jest as a work. But I I'm haven't I haven't to, read it. I have no uh, I'm not I have get no into opinion. That. I only have the I only have the memes. You have the memes, the momiv and the upper moomity. Upper um, basically, I wrote this this novella that was stream of conscious, you know, 12 characters with, te- you know, very tentative connections. It was basically just like a series of vignettes, weird, creepy, sad, overwritten, pretentious. And if you can believe it, Charlie is going to be uploading the entire novella to our Patreon. <laughs> look i actually would be willing to do that as like an incentive if we ever get oh my god if we hit like seven thousand dollars a month on patreon we'll upload the novella that's honestly like unironically a good idea so yeah anyway i made this horrible thing i it was shortly thereafter that i was hospitalized uh at, at unc for uh for you know Suicidal uh, ideation. For suicidaling up to the line between life and death. Suicid- and peering suicidaling. Over the edge. <laughs> I actually have a question for you that. Yeah, please. I've read some of your work and you are a very mm-hmm. good writer. Do you think it is possible that you're having always written generally in most of your work from a more of a male perspective may have contributed to why you haven't been able to connect with those characters like i know your most recent your last Ah. thing you wrote that i read was the mystery man book with a sad man in it like the last vestige of your masculinity fading (laughs) away into this sad dying man um and i'm curious if you think that's going to impact your writing at all so well first of all first of all i just want to address the more recent book I wrote, which uh, was, uh, you guessed it, a novelization of the 1999 Ben Stiller movie Mystery Men, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I, I think of as kind of my muse. <laughs> and now you have put the miss in Mystery Men. Um, doing like the all-female reboot of Mystery Men, like Ghostbusters, but you call it Mystery Men instead of rather than just women. going, <laughs> yes. Mystery Men. Um, Mystery Men, the sequel to One Tree Hill. Jesus. I don't think anybody cares enough about Mystery Men for this to be worth continuing talking about. I'm just, I'm wait, fascinated. I'm just, I'm just waiting for your answer. <laughs> if any of you if any of you out there know and love Mystery Men, uh, tell me who you would cast in your all-female reboot for each character. Yeah, I've never seen Mystery Men, so this is entirely a Charlie-based uh, question. I would cast uh, Ruth Wilson 
as my Casanova Frankenstein, and that's as far as I've gotten. And now that you've recognized that your identity isn't cis man at all, do you find that this impacts what you know the characters you want to write, who you feel comfortable writing, and your excitement about writing them? So I'm like, you know, I'm a failed, I'm a failed writer, just like I'm a failed actor and probably a failed <sighs> podcaster. Um, Jesus Christ on a bike. <laughs> Jesus Christ on a bike and all the apostles on unicycles. Um, now that's a that's a reboot I want to see. <laughs> if Jesus came back, but it was like weirdly a circus, something 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 about the, like the lion and the lamb. <laughs> but there's literally like a lion tamer, like just like really like what is this Jesus? Like why are you doing this? Oh my God! It's like the great the 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 greatest showman, but it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, played by Hugh Jackman in the musical, and then at the end of the movie, everyone's really sad because the Greatest Showman dies, and then he's like, "Not yet." One just comes out, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My greatest trick. But yeah, I always felt pretty unmotivated, and I've had this desire to write something more visceral, more like I don't know. I mean, I I love horror. I want to write things that are bloody. I want to write things that are sexually charged. I want to write things that are like intense and challenging and weird, but I've always felt self-conscious about that. And I guess now that's definitely coming from somewhere. It's coming from a part of my identity. It's just not a part that I recognize. I mean, basically my writing was about as repressed as I've always been. Well, it's very interesting to me that I I felt a kinship with my boy characters I wrote when I was a little boy before puberty made me feel othered. And then as I got older, a lot of the ideas I had for books starred female characters. I wasn't trying to write like any like a statement about the female, you know, experience because I generally like to write fantasy worlds and genre stuff, which yes, absolutely can have those themes. But as a kid, I wasn't thinking of it that way. Now that I've realized that I'm non-binary, I also have found that I like writing equal parts male and female characters and, you know, trans characters and non-binary characters. I have, like, all sorts of characters I like to have in my story. And for me, I get bored if I write any one. I get bored if I only go with one. I need to have as many as possible branching from different parts of my own experience and well, bringing it to as many people as possible to, to, to pre-read and test read so I have a sense of if I'm doing this properly, right? Like, yeah, interesting. I wrote short stories with female leads and it was almost always stories about women experiencing terrible violence. And I always felt a sense of deep perversion and shame around writing these stories because I always felt like, is this like just some kind of bizarre, like male gazy gender porn? The only things that I ever felt comfortable writing and showing anybody was like, here's a here's an interior story about a boy who he sits at a red light. And as he sits at the red light, he contemplates all the choices that he made in his life that led to him. Like, it's just like, it's like that type of thing where it's like, this is what you're supposed to write. Right. I literally, the, this fucking air, story. I feel bad. There were air quotes when I said that's what you're supposed to write, but you can't see air quotes in a, in a podcast. <laughs> I did I I like a little sound effect that whoop, whoop. Every time it's an air quote. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. I mean, anyway, continue. Yeah. But after that nonsense, continue with the, with the interesting. I think that it comes back to the way that like sex essentialism kind of tries to stake its territory on gender. It's the idea that cis people have 
an intrinsic understanding and a God-given right to talk about and think about their gendered experience in a way that trans people just don't. So from from a from that perspective, it feels vaguely appropriative or explicitly appropriative when trans women write about their female experience. And I always felt like I was wrong to assume I had any real perspective on what it was like to experience like violence. And certainly there are many forms of violence that I did not experience because of the body that I live in. I, I, I want to acknowledge that. But there were also forms of violence that I did experience. And uh, I mean, you've talked a little bit in previous episodes about like your experience as a kid with your cousins and and literal violence. Yeah, from but big I have men I have, in your life. I mean, geez. But also newly, but I also have worse things than that. Like, I have experienced forms of violence in my life that I have not even talked to anyone about outside of therapy. Um, and it was specifically violence that basically I thought as an AMAB person, I could not possibly experience. And of course, I, I, I do not wish to remotely downplay the violence that cis women experience on a mass scale. And I also don't want to compare what I've experienced to what much more visibly trans people and queer people have experienced. Um, what am I saying? I, I keep tongue-tying tongue, tongue tying myself but because I don't want to step on anyone's experience. But I also want there to be space to acknowledge that... You could experience it or that you have the right to say you did. Yeah. Just people in my situation are capable of having horrific things inflicted upon them. And uh, if there isn't space to recognize that, then it's actually a big part of what, you know, people say toxic masculinity isn't just victimizing women. It's there are people out there who grow up as, you know, men in society who don't realize yet that maybe their their gender and identity is more complex than that. Or that it's as simple as they're the other gender and that they were misgendered their whole life. And a lot of these people who grow up in an AMAB uh, identity are unable to explore some of the bigger questions about how they feel and the things that they experience because they think they're not allowed to at all. And you have to. You have to ask those questions to be able to answer them. And it's really scary to ask those questions. Yes, it it sure is. And I feel like we should put a pin in this and maybe we'll work up to doing a full episode breaking down the ways in which masculinity has hurt us, because I know you have a ton of thoughts on that. But right now, Ari, I want to hear a little bit about your writing process. And, and of course, just so the audience is aware, uh, you write a webcomic that comes out regularly called Mothorial. That's a fantasy adventure webcomic. You have a YouTube channel where you post uh, music and found some success uh, writing brony music, but also have branched out into other music. I mean, you have a lot of output. Maybe I can take some lessons from you on how to 
fucking finish stuff. For me. And it is for me, my, my, my work. No, uh, I think that <laughs> what happened was I... If it ain't for you, who's it for? I I don't care how trans we are. We are never losing the pirate voice. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, Take some HRT and grow out my booty. Okay. <laughs> Stephen King, when he would write, sometimes people would say his endings weren't very good. And he was asked about why that would happen or why his endings weren't always all. He answered pretty openly that he doesn't plot his stories out. He kind of just walks along with the characters and lets the story do what it does and see where it goes. And he gets a joy out of that. I do not work that way. My brain is very structured. It's I, I was good at programming, but I didn't like doing it. But which is the, the saddest thing ever is being good at a way to make money and not enjoying it. Um, I love the way stories are crafted the art of story craft is an under discussed form of artistic expression because it necessarily requires other forms of art to demonstrate it to other people um wait what sorry what what do you mean by that like crafting a story planning out a story is an art form that cannot be expressed to people unless it is then channeled through another form of art that shields it Right, you mean you you mean you you plot it and then like a group of television writers write the episodes yep. or the, or, or you, an artist draws the webcomic. It's like or... the writers table in a writing room planning out Breaking Bad is as much of an artistic expression as the scripts that were then written for those plans. And for me the my number one most enjoyed form of art is the crafting of a story, sitting down, asking who these characters are, planning out their arcs asking how everything fits together and coming up with a conclusion like a massive puzzle box that you actually fucking open, J.J. Abrams. You actually open the... The best thing about a mystery box is not that it's not open. The best thing about it is when it's open and it makes perfect fucking sense because you did a really good job. And I spent three years crafting my webcomics story before I even wrote the first volume. I crafted everything and I worked on it. And I still, and I still am. And now I work with... I mean, people. really, you're, you're just... You're, you are such a... Like an epic fantasy writer. Like... Even you, though you, I yes, don't actually like medium. reading, epic, even though I don't like reading epic fantasy all that much, isn't that interesting? I'm, I know, but you have that brain. I you have, have the brain. You have the brain. You absolutely have the, the... do. I'm a very logical based thinker who likes to write very emotionally, mm -hmm. both in my music and in my uh, storytelling. Also, a lot of what I write isn't so much based on like uh, I want to write the female experience or write the this experience or as a brown man write the brown experience. I tend to be more of a these characters have these emotional problems. These are but, okay. Here's a question: Do you feel like you are self-expressing when you when you craft your fantasy webcomic for sure, three sure. years? Are you like obviously everybody's putting themselves in their work? I'm not. But talking am I about deliberately? That, but are, is it coming out a tangible way? Am I really putting my my my? Is it cathartic? On, on some kind of psychological level. So far, the answer to that question is a resounding yes, because every single story I've ever written ends up accidentally being about parent issues every time. Uh-huh. I don't mean it to. It just happens because I have complicated feelings about my upbringing. For me, <laughs> I can't... You have whoop, 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 complicated, complicated. feelings. <laughs> I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to... If I just write a story about a couple characters going on a journey, and that journey includes issues, it just happens. It just appears in the story. I look back and I realize that I've written things that I wasn't thinking of them as cathartic at the time, but they have been. I wonder if the fact that you are so focused on like the characters and, and the beats of the story and the arcs and the genre conventions that you're playing within, that 
it sounds like you just weren't nearly as like self-conscious or repressed in that way around your writing it seems like you've always at least sort of like you know what you want to write and I you're did, comfortable writing it yeah i think for me that i identified as a kid as a straight white man and now realize that i am a not straight not very white not man <laughs> My entire identity <laughs> crumbled into the word not before everything. I, I want to clarify something about that novella that I wrote, because this is important, I think, to say. I think on a craft level, it is the worst piece of writing that has ever been put to page. <laughs> I have to read this, Jesus. But I also think that it is better art than anything else I've ever written until hopefully this project I'm writing this year. Because it is the only time that I wrote authentically and just wrote exactly what I wanted to write and say with no self-consciousness. And at the time, I thought what I was expressing was purely like the normal thoughts that depressed boys have. That's so interesting. I went back and I I combed through it and I realized that this is a piece of fucking queer art. This is a piece of trans art. This is violently obsessed with, with, the, with the character's penises. <laughs> It is completely and utterly fixated on people feeling uh, violated or feeling uncomfortable within the confines of their own bodies. It features a series of particularly female characters who are trapped in some kind of like existential way. It is the most fucking trans thing you could imagine. Like if you did a queer reading of this novella, which, would which, be... which will happen one day. At a certain point, that becomes a, a prideful part of your journey instead of a shameful part of your life. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, too, is that, like, the fucking, you know, you know the whole, like, breasted boobly meme? <laughs> like, yes. Oh, or, <laughs> breasted yeah. meme. <laughs> the, you know, r slash men writing women, which I actually think is, I, I think it's a terrible subreddit and I absolutely hate r slash men writing women. I think they have lost their way and I think their mission is like completely antithetical to actual like progress in literature. And uh, that happens to every sub <laughs> every complainy subreddit eventually turns into a monster of itself. They, I... they completely have no fucking context. Like, some of the things they post are cringe men writing stupid things about women's anatomy. And then like half the things they post are, first of all, written by women or are completely valid reasons to include descriptions of characters who are naked or or a passage about a character sexualizing another character because that's like what's going on in the scene is that they're sexualizing this character anyway not sorry got it we cannot talk about this right now i i, I think i think all I, of this is really just to preemptively um defend me from criticism <laughs> it's it's a this sort of lady doth protest too much methinks because really what i'm saying is that this novella and other works of mine contained unimaginably florid descriptions of 
women's bodies and uh, their their boobs in particular. Um, and I'm not defending any of that uh, necessarily. <laughs> Um, I, I completely understand why that sort of scrutiny and the, the pattern of that scrutiny is really uh, uncomfortable and demeaning and frustrating for people. However, um, at the time when I read through it, I was like, oh, I, I absolutely fell into the trap. This is just breasted boobly. I'm just a disgusting man writing about women in this way. And it is funny now to realize how much of that was an expression of body envy more than it was an expression of body desire yeah and i also think that this novella that i wrote despite being literally i cannot stress this enough has no literary merit (laughs) from a craft perspective from a writing perspective is so maybe that's another another the only thing i've ever written that has challenged the the rules of writing and what i'm allowed the box i'm allowed to write from See, and i understand the the, the 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 gag so to speak of saying it's real it's it's very bad literary work but i think one thing that it's important for you to be careful of i have read a lot of your work you are the one who inspired me to write mathorial in the first place when what? you yeah because you, you told me that you told me about the zero draft and it was the first time anyone had ever made me feel like maybe I had a shot. So I gave it a shot. You were the one who made me realize that I had stories in me that didn't have to be perfect to be told. And I see a lot of times you'll refer to your old work as failures. And one thing that I'm realizing with my own work especially is that nothing that we do, if we learn from it, is a failure. So even if you wrote a pub- private book... That ended up being something that aged poorly in some gender way because you learned later. But then you learned from it. It wasn't a failure. It was a success in learning to be a better writer, to be a better person, to be a better expressor of yourself. Everything you've ever made has been successful because if you hadn't made those things, you wouldn't be writing now, ever. You would never write now. Yeah. To build the bridge that led you to where you are, you had to learn how to build a fucking bridge. I look around, I'm like, ah, shit, I'm in Terabithia. <laughs> and then the bridge collapsed, and it turned out you should have been better at building. You should have hired someone to build the bridge before you let your friend go on it. Uh- <laughs> Is that, that's, that's not what happens. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not a bridge. It's not like a structural and engineering They constructed a bridge problem. and then they drove their car over it, but they exceeded the total weight and the car fell. Um, uh, all right. We, uh, we, better, uh, I think that, we better take a quick break. Yeah. I think that was, I mean, it was long, but I think there was a lot of really good stuff in there. It's a fun topic. That's, what we, that's who we are. We are, we're queer as creators. Yeah. No, I think I think that was good. I think that was fun. There's a lot of stuff. All right, want to pause or let it keep playing? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna take a piss break. Take a piss break. Every gotta time. have a little bit of piss break. Bar. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> This is a this is a long light. Michael, are we? Uh, you said it would take fifteen minutes. I know. I said that this red light would take us fifteen minutes to get through, <laughs> and honestly, it's is been like half an hour. Is that what you meant? Oh, that explains that explains a lot about how long we've been here for. 
Oh, yeah, this is just that light, you know? Isn't this one of those states where you can turn right on a red light? Why don't you just turn and we'll go another way? We'll find another route. It's fine. It's fine. I, Honey, I know, I'm in I, labor. I, I know you're in labor, Melanie, okay? But we, we, you. <laughs> I feel like we're waiting you a think really I, long of all time. People, you think I, of all people, do not know that you're in labor, I of all people should know. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it feels it feels like we care more about counting the time and keeping track of the world around us than actually looking at me, your partner. Okay, I, I it is important to me that I get you to the hospital and that we have our beautiful, beautiful baby girl. But <laughs> frankly, I've been keeping track of your contractions. They're not. It's not. We're not in the danger zone with yet. The count there with the counting again. And yes, because I am a very meticulous counter, okay? That is why I have made my entire living going into those places that have those bean jars where you win a cash prize if you guess the amount of beans, and I always nail it within five or ten beans, and I've made an entire living out of that. I know, I know, honey, but you can leave, leave your work at work and be home with me. Oh! Oh, the contractions are getting worse. Honey, we need to run this red light. Just, it's okay. There's literally no one going the other way. There's, it's probably broken. It's probably just broken. You know, I'm looking at this closely. I think I think this is maybe an art installation. You're seeing someone put up a red light on a busy street corner as a performance art installation? Well, it just like these don't look like uh, regulation street light poles to but me. You're right, and, I'm, and I also just, just don't remember. It's painted red. It's just painted red, <laughs> exactly. That's the other clue. Okay, well, it's just you can a... clearly go. Let's just, let's just go to the hospital. Now that I look at it, it's just a cardboard, Why are you a big slate of cardboard me? with I, a I painting need to get to the hospital. <laughs> Why? It doesn't matter what it is, honey. We're not, we have no legal need to stop here. Wait, no, but this is fascinating because what is this? Why did someone put this here? And you know that my brain... You know that my brain is just obsessed with mysteries and clues. I have to know the answer. I have to know how many beans are in the jar, Melanie. It's funny. Uh, you say that you're so into clues and solving things, but yet you can't solve why our marriage is falling apart right in front of you. Melanie, you can our count marriage, on that that's for sure. Our marriage, our marriage is not. Our marriage is not falling apart. I would have noticed. Harold. <laughs> Is that, was that my name? Mer Matthew Harold. I'm saying your full name, Matthew Harold. You named after my favorite improv format. <laughs> <laughs> my last name. I come from the. I come from the the Heralds, the original Heralds who invented invented improv. It's funny comedy. how your your family was able to think things up so creatively, but you can't see the truth right in front of your eyes because you're so stuck on on the past and stuck on the thing you can't i i need to get to the hospital right now I need do you to... know what the problem is melanie what's the problem you know why i'm not matthew you know what yeah the problem or as you like to call yourself as you like to call yourself math <laughs> being a numbers guy and all the problem is the reason i'm not as intrinsically interested in your pregnancy as i am in this crazy <laughs> piece of cardboard <laughs> with a street light on it that was it's put just, in front of it's us. It's just cardboard. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that interesting. The reason is because this represents an unknown quantity. You know, who painted this? Why did they put it here? There's a I mean, guy so right there on the street corner holding a sign. He's waving. He's, it's the sign. The sign says. Well, it's too. The writing is too small to read. Well, get out of the 
car and go look then. That's what I'm saying. The problem is that your womb, I know how many beans are in there. You know, we already have the ultrasound. I know what's in there. Maybe not. I know it's a baby. Maybe I know it's a girl. Maybe you don't know the full truth about what's in my womb. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Are you, are you serious? Or is this a, are you trying to trick me into thinking that your womb is a mystery? I don't know. Which one is it? I guess you'll have to find out at the hospital. Is it an escape womb? Because if it's an escape room that has a series of, all the time, <laughs> that has a series of puzzles that that the baby is gonna have to solve in order to escape, and and I'm gonna have to help the baby escape from the escape room by helping them solve the puzzles. Now that's something I would, I'd go to the hospital that's right some, away. Yeah, then, then yes, that is true. That is exactly what it is. It's all right, just gonna drive through this piece of cardboard, and that is a mystery hey, we'll never my solve. Performance art. <laughs> We we actually the camera stays with that man. <laughs> his head slumps <laughs> down and he begins to weep. The, the tears flow down his clown makeup and fall upon the floor. Excuse me, Mr. Clown. <laughs> what is it, young lad? <laughs> um, I was My just chasing. Art. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I I can leave you alone here. I was just chasing my paper hat down this roadway. <laughs> And, uh, but I see that you're kind of dealing with something and this looks like, these look like grown up emotions. And I, I, I'm too young for grown up emotions. I put, do you know why I put this cardboard up on the street corner? I mean, I, you, I see you have a sign there with the explanation, but the rain has washed the words away. No, that was just my tears. Oh, you see, we all stand still in life. Because we're just told to, we don't go anywhere. And so this cardboard was meant to demonstrate that we just, if we see something that tells us we can't move, then we don't. Even if we have compelling reasons to go, there was a pregnant woman in that car and her husband wasn't driving her for like 20 minutes. Wow. I guess that's, I guess that's what I expect from performance art. A really heavy handed point, simply proven with very little room for nuance. But there was something about that lady. There's something in her eyes that wasn't fully... Listen, I can't be bothered to care about some grown-up pregnant lady who might be an alien, okay? I'm a kid, and I only care about kid things. Here, However, little child, if I give you five cents, will you do something for me? Yeah, what do you need? Anything. Anything? Whoa! <laughs> That's a terrible instinct for me to have whenever a strange clown offers me money. I should really work on that. Oh, that man and that lady to the hospital. If I go in there, they're going to send me right out. I'm a clown. But if you go in there, little child, like, of course I'm going to let you into the maternity ward. Think okay. about what's I'll... going on with that lady and with that man. Something's not right. I'll be your I'll be your kid detective. That 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 sounds good. I mean, my, my hat is long gone, so... <sighs> oh, don't worry, little child. Take this here. I'll make a new one for you. Wow. See, oh performance artists do have value. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I mean, you just took your your sopping wet cardboard <laughs> sign and tried to make it into a hat, and it doesn't look very good, but I appreciate the gesture. As you'll learn, you'll learn as you get older, kid. <laughs> Something is better than nothing. <laughs> Wow, whatever my, that something my is, doesn't matter. <laughs> my sponge-like, impressionable brain has just absorbed that lesson, and now it's a core part of my personality. All right, off to the hospital. Go get him, kid. 
So we cut. We cut to the hospital. Yeah. Carol, Carol, Car out of the way. This is. This, I don't know what's going on, but this, this, this one woman in the ward. I've, I've never seen anything like it. <sighs> do you need? Do you need old Carol's magic touch to go calm down the patients as usual? Because you're afraid of talking to women. Jonathan? It's, it's not like that, okay? You you hate talking to hysterical women, no, Jonathan? Don't, don't, don't make this nothing about... There's something wrong with the baby. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going, I'm going. <sighs> God. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't handle her when she's like this. <laughs> uh, Who are you talking to, Jonathan? Oh, I'm talking about my... I'm talking about my girlfriend of 19 years in our very straight cis relationship. She drives me crazy, but god damn it, she's hot. Jonathan, <sighs> I think your relationship with Carol is really toxic, and I want to, I, frankly, I need to tell you something. What? What was her name? Matthew Harold? You just walk in here and <laughs> you have opinions about my, mar my, my relationship? Yep, it's me. I've I've been coming here with my wife, you know, because she keeps thinking bloop bloop she's in labor. <laughs> and so I've come to know the staff here pretty well. And you guys have got kind of a uh you guys have got kind of like a whole soap opera going on behind the scenes at this hospital. And I just need to let you know I'm I'm in love with Carol. And I don't think you're good enough for her. You're what about your wife? I mean, she just hasn't kept my interest since I finally finished counting all her freckles. For 20 years, that woman held my interest because she had so many freckles. She kept getting more freckles. And then, of course, she got pregnant and she stopped going out into the sun and she had a finite number of freckles. And, uh, yep. The baby's coming! The baby! Matthew, get in here! One, literally one minute and eight seconds, honey. <laughs> um, God damn it, Matthew! We cut to inside the room. Okay, hey, 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 just breathe, okay? Just breathe. Something's wrong. Carol's here. Carol's something, got you. Something, something's wrong. I can feel it. <laughs> to quote my favorite rapper. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Sorry, I just, um, I just, I just processed what you said. <laughs> Trying to keep it cool for you, but that was very Why funny. Why are your machines? Why are they blinking on and off? It's like the power is being interfered with by some horrible force. You need to tell me something. Yes? Is it possible that you're not entirely human? No, I fucked a demon. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut back. We cut back to see, to see the night that she met the child's true father. Who's that at my door this hour? Hello. <laughs> Hello. My husband's upstairs. Oh, I know he is. Because Lucifer knows all. <laughs> Look, I appreciated the flowers. And I think you're very, 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 very attractive. But listen, I'm in a horrible marriage. <laughs> I know. And that I can hear. That means certain things. I hear the whispers of your heart. You desire for something more fulfilling, and that is music to the ears of Lucifer. <laughs> um, as the two are talking, there's sounds coming from the stairs. What? What? What is that? Shh. What is that noise? Oh, shit! I don't. 
I don't know. It might, might be Matthew might be up counting his steps. He sleepwalks. Three, he counts his goddamn steps. Four, five, six. Okay, look, just just a quick Wait, fuck. fuck. I can't I take. I can't take. I can't take him anymore. Fine, just a quick fuck. Just one. I won't okay. regret this, will I? Listen, listen, listen. I just have to say there is going to be a a quid pro quo here. Are you, oh, are you cool oh, with that? I'm glad you brought it up. That, uh, look, I'm always about talking things out before having sex with a partner. Okay, you will birth the Antichrist. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, finally! God, <laughs> it is so hard to get someone to agree to that. It's the only way to get the Antichrist to be to be born God. is it's only already, can be born I mean, by consent. Any any baby born of that man would have been an Antichrist anyway. So. Well, yes, he is very very unreligious. <laughs> will I? Will I? <laughs> Will I, will I remember this later? Will I know what's coming? Or am I just a demonic curse? Oh, baby. After you spend one night with me, I promise you, you'll remember everything. We, we cut, cut back. back to the maternity ward, and the baby is horrible. No, no, no. It's cute. <laughs> it's very cute. <laughs> what are you talking about, lady? This baby sucks. <laughs> Put it back. <laughs> Who's that? Is that Jonathan? Jonathan, get your ass in here. You're supposed to be in here. You're the doctor. I don't want to be in there with that thing. That baby, it's so ugly. The only way I could even imagine looking at this child is if it was wearing, like, I don't know, if maybe if we put some white makeup on its face and a red nose to cover. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The only way I could possibly imagine even caring about this baby at all is if... Wait, why is there a kid in the corner of the room? Has he been here the whole time? Yes. I am the time child. (laughs) (laughs) Your baby will never have a good life with you. So I'm going to take him... I'm going to take him back in time when clowns were still respected in America. Before, before, before John Wayne Gacy showed up. Before John Wayne Gacy. And I'm going to give this child a good life so that he can grow no. up. No. You will not take my child from me. Antichrist or no. That is a, my beautiful baby. And thank God, ironically, that this man was not the father. Wait, what? One last mystery, you son of a bitch. <sighs> I, I'm part of the soap opera. Huh. Now you know what it's like. <laughs> As two spurned men uh, in a progressive story. Why don't we go off and it can hang out? The two of us, maybe we can get together. <sighs> And then yeah. I'll get us out of the store. I'm just obsessed with the way that my wife's boobs, like, move. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what is the baby doing? <laughs> I don't know. What is he doing? I can't quite describe what the, what's happening. Its head is spinning in circles and puking green goop all You have to get rid of this baby. Give the baby to the time, child. I don't even care. No, 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 about... no, no. Listen, listen. <sighs> listen, I have come here in so many so many time loops and every single time you've given over the baby to me and you've and I love re- him but I don't want to end the world I, lo- I do love him though this is the first time that you've decided to keep the child and I think that 
it's important to honor that decision. I think take the child, take 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 them in your arms. And as the mother is holding her child outside, the old clown begins to disappear. <laughs> the greatest performance of all. <laughs> Lucifer, are you here? Yes, it is I. The time child and Lucifer are one and the same, baby. You're you're prepared to support this baby financially? Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I'm thinking of maybe going and hanging out with Jonathan and Matthew. Those guys really seem like they knew how to party. God, you really are the devil. Hey, now that all of the men are gone and it's just you and me. It's like the room is brighter. I feel that way too. This baby is, it's really only ugly if we're applying like society's normative beauty Traditional standards, standards of beauty. It, yeah. If it's like a baby bird. <laughs> Disgusting, but beautiful. Oh, do you have a problem with birds? No, I love birds. That's why I said like a baby bird. They're beautiful. They're ugly, but beautiful. Well, because if you, if you are a fan of birds, I actually, I've always had a dream of operating my own bird sanctuary. Maybe this can be the first one. No, we there's a lot raise of our them. child as a bird. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, you're right. This isn't an ugly baby. This baby looks just like like a baby vulture. We will raise this baby to be whatever it wants to be. This I baby that, can be anything. And you and I are gonna run a bird sanctuary together, and we're gonna live together. And future historians will say that we were such good friends, and really, and really, just such nice roommates. Um, or should I say womb mates? <laughs> and with this incredible last word, we cut out to a sad college man writing his book <laughs> in the corner as tears stream down his face as he finalizes the final page and closes the book. Honestly, I think I might be a woman. <laughs> God damn it. How did that fucking work? You might not believe it, but that actually, we just read the novella. <laughs> that was the novella. We just read it. Yeah, yeah. That was not improv. We just word uh, verbatim uh, did a, a dramatic reading of the novella I wrote in college. So what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, um, I think that you were wrong. I think the prose was incredible. Yeah, I actually realized it was completely the opposite of what I thought. The prose was great, but the the story was it was garbage. It was garbage. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think it's uh, my my love goes out to every clown during this very trying time. My love also goes out to all of you clowns out there listening to this, because only a clown would would listen to a show like this. I will say that um, something that I. Because we're still recording these episodes um, in isolation of getting any listener feedback, like, because we still haven't started releasing them, I definitely do have a tendency, don't I, of just, like, uh, after, like, working on something for just, like, a couple weeks or a month or a couple months, just being like, well, this is probably garbage and gonna fail. And maybe I shouldn't do that to this show like I've done it to every other project. So I truly think that you have made a lot of incredible things. And I think that, you know what you didn't have? If you had been able to be 
and I'm not saying able to be as if everything about it is good, but if you've been able to be a 13-year-old teenage girl in the year 2007, you probably would have been able to upload some amazing fan fiction growing up and get so much feedback and be in the joy. You didn't grow up with the internet, like the deviant art and the fan fiction. Oh man, the fan you didn't fiction. Have that feedback. That's what we were talking about before about needing like a a place, an uncorporatized place to just like express yourself. Boy, it was fan fiction, just the ideal forum there. You grew up with these very private things you created that people want. You weren't like showing your books to your friends at school. A couple things, but like you didn't have that feedback. As a person doing music, I got feedback pretty quickly, like yeah. on what was good by sharing that you have written these works and seeing the value in the growth that they gave you i think it is a big first step for you in terms of like your fresh eyes as an maybe not self-loathing artist because we shouldn't be self-loathing you hear that people maybe listening to this show don't be mean to me about this podcast because i can't take it i can't handle it one (laughs) bad review and i'm closing the whole thing down so all we're saying is please post your five star review regardless of what you thought of us because if you don't you're being mean to a queer person yeah exactly (laughs) reviews Um, are bullying (laughs) we have a patreon for this podcast that you can support where we're going to have bonus content that Patreon is going to be a place where you can go and you can uh, give Charlie the feedback that she's never been able to have until now. Yeah, oh, <laughs> if you I just pay... opened a fucking door, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, if you pay, if you if you want to pay to come and harass me on my Patreon, oh no, <laughs> I'll take Don't your money, even baby. Start. It will happen. I'll take your money. Um, but yeah. Anyway, thank you guys. Thank you if anyone's listening. No, when? Thank you. Thank you to, to, I'm really pleased to announce our 9 millionth listener. Thank you so much for tuning in today. (laughs) And thank you as always, Ari, for being like, I, you know what's something I've realized doing this show with you? I'm realizing like you, you have such a like grounding just presence. It's just nice to talk to you about things because you, you have your, your issues. You have your demons, you know, you fucked one or two of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But and sometimes they win. You're just also like, you know who you are, you know what you like, and you often have like the pers- the clarifying perspective on things that I'm just too like, I look at things on such a micro level that I'm, I, I lose the forest for the trees. And it's just nice to have someone who's able to just be like, hey, like your perspective on this is kind of silly. And here's another perspective. Um, yeah, so uh, you nice... are, you are an amazing writer you're an amazing creative person and you're an amazing friend and people are going to be lucky to read and watch and listen to the things that you make like that's a guarantee i mean as like the person who i absolutely think has the best grasp of storytelling of anyone i've ever met uh that means a lot so coming from you so thank you uh and thank you all for tuning in be sure to tune in next week when charlie is going to read some of her poetry (laughs) (laughs) every week it's just another like i had a thing i wrote (laughs) Uh, we could do a whole series baby all right if you don't if you don't mind i'm gonna go and watch some agents of shield and just like be the trash gremlin that all us non-binary people are genuinely i think i'm gonna watch raw tonight so I feel like this is a good a good indication of where we're at. All right, see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's very good. 
Yes Androgyny was conceived, recorded, and produced by Ari Borhanian and myself, Charlie Munro. This show is released bi-weekly every other Monday. If you want more content or you care to support the show, we can be found at patreon.com slash yesandrogyny, where we will be posting an extra episode of bonus content, plus other fun surprises at least every off week. Also, follow us on Twitter at yesandrogyny for more updates. This show is co-produced by New32 Productions, an independent North Carolina media company that Ari and I are both heavily involved with. You can find New32 on YouTube at youtube.com slash new32, that's N-E-W-3-2. Our music was composed by Florify, F-L-O-R-R-I-F-Y, whose link tree can be found in the episode description. Our theme song is Riff in A by Garrett Stein Sarusi, who plays the guitar on the track, with additional arrangement, instrumentation, and mastering also by Florify. Our cover art is by the inimitable Izzy Pereira, who can be found on Twitter at Izzy Squeaksy. That is I-Z-Z-Y-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Z-Y. Lastly, but not leastly, Ari can be found on Twitter at MetaJoker Music, where they post about their myriad music and webcomic writing projects, including their epic fantasy adventure webcomic in the vein of Redwall that is uh, so good. It's called Mathorial. They co-created it with our cover artist Izzy, and it is posted weekly. So definitely check that out. It's super rad. Charlie, meanwhile, is a little bit shy and is going to refrain from posting a handle for the time being. Lol. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. That concludes the credits. See you in two weeks or sooner if you join our Patreon. Bye. I would cast I would cast uh, Ruth Wilson as my Casanova Frankenstein, and that's as far as I've gotten. Is Ruth Wilson <laughs> the who is Ruth Wilson? She plays the sociopath in Luther. She played Mrs. Coulter in the new uh, ah. uh, Golden Compass series. Horribly miscast. Um, Horribly misled show in general. Um, okay, just don't get Jack God. Thorne to write. Just Jack Thorne, stop writing things. Get like Scott Buck and just go away. Um, yeah, Jack <laughs> Thorne, stop. Yeah, stop. Whatever. We, we, we need. We need Actually, I, I, I will say. I will say in a, this kindness of my heart that Jack Thorne. Uh, I like Jack Thorne more than Jackie Rowling now. <laughs> he hasn't said anything particularly harmful. He just, he just makes bad shit. <laughs> Who would have thought that at the end of the day, I'd respect Jack Thorne more than Jackie Rowling?